0: Good morning, good morning. It, am, am I on? Okay, all right, well, good morning, it's great to be with you guys again, excited that you guys always have such a welcoming spirit here, I love uh, Pastor Tim and the elders here, they are always uh, such a spirit of humility and loving, humble spirit, I, every time I come here I am blessed to be here because of the welcoming spirit that is in this house and is evident in your leaders, so thank you for having me here. You know, um, from San Juan, Puerto Rico, actually spent some time there and came back to this weather. It was 87 degrees there. And so we're almost at the spring, almost at the spring. And so was there and uh, just uh, came back. I'm glad to have my wife Jiba with me and some friends from Calvary Chapel, Newport News, uh, Keith and Bobby Hopkins. And so excited to be here with you, you know. Algunas veces puedo predicar en español, pero hoy no. So sometimes I get to preach in Spanish, but not today. I don't know if you guys are aware that Spanish is the official language of heaven. And so, don't just jokey joke, jokey joke, joke. And uh, so no, but I'm here with you and I hope not to be before you long because I live by a philosophy. Blessed are the short-winded for they shall be invited again. And so with that, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9, and we'll see what the Lord has for us there. First Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 9. And the title of this morning's message is Sneak Attack. Sneak Attack. Father, I'm so humbled to have the opportunity to stand before your people, Lord. I don't take for granted the fact that I get to open your word, Lord, and share some thoughts. So I ask this morning that uh, Lord, you would help me to speak with clarity and accuracy, Lord God, the divine truths. Lord, I pray today that you would remove distractions, Lord God, the things that would hinder us from receiving what you have for us. I pray that you would minister to your people beyond my education, preparation, or intellect, Lord. Let your spirit divide to each and every person, Father God, that which they need to hear today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A sneak attack is when someone is attacked by surprise. Today as we explore this scripture, we're going to see that David received a sneak attack from the Amalekites. They attacked David And his men by surprise. The Amalekites were the enemies of God. David and his men were not expecting this attack. I've been in ministry for a long time, for about 20 years, yet sometimes I forget that the enemy does attack us. Most times the enemy attacks us, it is unexpected. For this reason, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, lest Satan has an advantage over us, we are not ignorant of his devices. The word instructs us to be aware of the plots and the schemes of the enemy. Therefore, we're going to use this story as an illustration, and we're going to highlight some important truths about spiritual warfare. Then what we're going to do is we're going to Study David's response in order to glean some practical wisdom for spiritual warfare. And I'm going to give you three things that David did in order to overcome the spiritual attack. For those of you who like alliteration, there are three Ps. Now, there has to be a balance in spiritual warfare. As I said before, we must be aware of of spiritual warfare, of the schemes and the plots of the enemy. But at the same time, we can't be the kind of person that believes that everything is the devil. We can't believe that there's a devil in every corner waiting for us. This is why in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Before he says all that, he says, be sober, be balanced about it. Hebrew, uh, Proverbs chapter 11 teaches us that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But before we dive into our text, I want, to, as an introduction, let me share with you the various ways the enemy can attack us. One of the ways the enemy can attack us is physically. The enemy can actually attack your physical body. In Luke chapter 13, there was a woman who was bowed down by a spirit of infirmity. And after Jesus, when Jesus was in the process of healing her, he said this woman was bound by Satan 13 years, meaning that Satan was the one that attacked this woman with the spirit of infirmity. Sometimes when we receive spiritual attacks, we can receive spiritual attacks when we are weak. See, the enemy never comes to you when you are at your strongest. He came to Jesus after having fasted for 40 days and he was hungry and he said, Will you turn these stones into bread? You see, sometimes the enemy will have us deal with some very heavily, heavy, emotionally charged situations when you are exhausted, when you are tired when you're underslept he does it just to get you to act out of character just to get you to make a bad decision and then after you act out of character after you make a bad decision he proceeds to accuse you and to tell you see you're not that spiritual after all or even worse he will tell you see you're not a christian because if you were a real christian you would not have responded that way. He often comes to you when you are tired. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 40, the Bible teaches us that Elijah killed 450 prophets. Now, I am exhausted just by thinking about that. But not only did he kill, he executed these men, it doesn't tell us how he executed them. He might have had some help, might have not. I, we don't know. You don't know. They don't know. It just says that he executed them. But after that, he proceeds to, ru- to run from Mount Carmel all the way to Jezreel. This is 17 miles, six miles short of a marathon. is it safe to say that he might have been tired? No wonder after Jezebel uh, threatens to kill him, he runs away in fear. But wait a minute, this is the same man that just called fire down from heaven. This is the same man that just executed 450 prophets of Baal. You see, because... When we are exhausted, when we are tired, when we are troubled, we are not at our best. And it's during those times that we have to be careful because the enemy will try to attack us during those times. The enemy will use rumors like he did in Nehemiah chapter 6 with Sambalad and Tobias. He will say things about you that are not true. Isn't it irritating when people say things about you that are not true? Isn't it frustrating when people question your motives or they have you all wrong? They are all up in your Kool-Aid and don't even know the flavor. (laughs) I know I went a little bit rural on you, but just (laughs) bear with me. People will question your motivation. The enemy will accuse you falsely of things. After all, he is called the accuser of the brethren. Now, we have to be honest to ourselves. Sometimes we open up the door to spiritual attacks by our behavior. Sometimes we open up the door to spiritual attacks by our conduct. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, give no place to the devil. Now, at this juncture... In David's life, David is running away from King Saul. He has been called to be king of Israel. He has been anointed to be the king of Israel, but he has no kingdom. He is running scared for his life. Let me make a sidebar here. Isn't it a frustrating thing to be anointed and to be gifted and to have no outlet? For your gifting. To have no place where you can take the thing that God has placed inside of you and share it with others. Yet you almost find yourself like David running and running with no place to go. And so David has a calling and David has a ministry but his calling and his ministry is under attack because Saul wants to kill him. He goes away and he defects to the Philistine and he becomes friends with this man named Achish who is a commander of the Philistine army. And David associates himself with this man. And now he's living in a place called Siglag, which Achish has assigned for him there. One of the things that happens when we are not utilizing our gifts for the Lord is that we wind up associating ourselves or attaching ourselves to things or people who are the enemies of God. Here David is called, anointed, and gifted, and yet he's attaching himself to the Philistines who are the enemies of God. So if you are gifted today, If you are anointed today, I encourage you to use your gift to bless the house of God, to bless the kingdom of God. When we are not utilizing our gift, we will lose our focus, and we will start attaching ourselves to things and people who are the enemies of God. The Philistines were about to go into battle with Israel. And David and his men insinuated that they were going to help the Philistines. And Achish was okay with this. But all of the other Philistine commanders were against it. And they called Achish out on the carpet and they say he's not going to go with us. This is the one about whom they sang... Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his 10,000. If you let this guy go to battle with us, what he will do is he will turn on us and he will gain Saul's favor. We don't trust him. Send him back. And with sadness in his heart, Achish sends David back. And this is where we pick up our story. Let's begin reading there in verse number one. Now it happened when David and his men came to Siglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded south and Siglag, attacked Siglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, And it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Here we see that David and his men returned to the camp only to discover that they had been the victims of a sneak attack. During this attack, the city was burned, and their families were taken. The city was gone, their property was gone, their security was gone, their wives and their children had been taken, their families were disrupted and divided. These verses teach us that the attack of the enemy can have a ripple effect in our lives. Remember, David is still on the run. His ministry is under attack. See, sometimes the enemy will attack one area of your life, but that area will affect other areas of your life. See, the enemy will attack your marriage, and when your marriage is in trouble, it will affect the children. And when the marriage and the children are affected, now all of a sudden you're having trouble at work because you can't concentrate because your life is in an uproar. So when the enemy attacks, it can have a ripple effect. As you see here, their wives, their children were gone, their property was gone by just one attack. This is why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, we were troubled on every side. Have you ever felt like you are troubled on every side? Have you ever felt like the enemy was attacking you from different areas that you couldn't have seen? everywhere you turned around there was a dart coming at you One of the things that we have to be aware of is that the enemy wants to attack our families The enemy hates marriage and family He hates marriage because marriage is the institution that resembles Christ and the church and so he tries to disrupt our families. He tries to attack our finances. Because if he disrupts, he disrupts your finances, now the husband and the wife are at odds. Did you know that the number two reason for divorce in the United States is finances? Communication being number one. So we see here that the, enemy, that the attacks of the enemy, can, can he, that he can attack multiple areas of our lives. Not only will one attack have ripple effect, but also he can attack multiple areas of our lives. Let's continue to read there in verse number four. Then David and the people who were with him Lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his son and his daughter's. These verses, and these verses we see that David and his men wept. Now, uh, let me remind you, these were men of war. These were warriors. There are things that we go through in life that will make even the strongest of us cry. There are things that can happen in our lives that will make even the firmest believer weep. The enemy, here's another area of spiritual attack. The enemy will attack your emotion and your mind. Here are these men who are used to fighting. Here are these men who are used to being in battle. They are crying, they are weeping. There are times when you can just receive one piece of bad news, and as soon as you receive that piece of bad news, you are distraught. You're stunned. You're befuddled. You're anxious. Some people get so worried that they can't sleep. Now, that has happened to me in the past. I tend to be a little bit of an overthinker. Because when an attack comes, it will affect you mentally and Emotionally. This is why Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 teaches us to be anxious for nothing. But in all things with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. The enemy will try to make your faith ineffective by disrupting your mental and your emotional state. You see, in these verses, we see that these men are weeping. In fact, these verses says that David were distressed because the men were speaking of stoning him. David was their king. David was their leader. They had been following David as he was running away from Saul. And now they're speaking of stoning him and killing him. See, these men were in grief for their wives. Grief <laughs> grief, will make you say and do some unusual things. When people are grieving, they will do things that are out of character. They will say things that will make you ask them, are you okay? These men, not only are they crying, but now they have turned their attention to their their leader and said, David, this is your fault. So we are going to kill you. You see, sometimes the attacks of the enemy will cause you to be distressed. And there are those other times that those attacks, he will shoot his fiery darts to you and plant thoughts in your mind. He will try to sell you lies. The enemy will attack you with thoughts of insecurity. I'm not good enough. He will attack you with thoughts of failure. I'm never going to make it. He will attack you with thoughts of fear. He will attack you with thoughts of unbelief. He will uh, will attack you and say to you that you are in love with someone other than your spouse. He will put thoughts in your mind and say to you, oh, you know, even though I was born a boy, I feel like a girl. He will put thoughts in your mind and say, even though I was born a girl, I identify more with being a boy. See, and he will try to disrupt your life and make your faith ineffective by planting these thoughts in your life. If you're, if you're in school, I don't fit in. I'm not cool enough. They just don't like me. They told me I'm ugly. So now life is not worth living, and so I have to contemplate suicide. I'm 17 and nobody, I've never been on a date. So I'm never going to be on a date for the rest of my life. You're 17. So I'm going to jump off the bridge because I've never been on a date. See, and the enemy will put these kinds of thoughts in the minds of our young people. But there are some, some of us who are older who think that way too. Maybe you have been single or divorced for a long time. And you have been, if you're a lady, you have been waiting on your Boaz. If you are a lady and you have been waiting on your Boaz, please, I want to encourage you, please wait on your Boaz. Don't settle for a bozo. <laughs> now, those of you who are waiting for Boaz, I want you to study this out. According to Jewish history... Boaz was 85 and Ruth was 45, so you may, need to re, you may want to reconsider that Boaz thing, because Boaz may be financially secure, but you may have trouble in other areas of your life, and that's all I'm going to say, because I'm going to keep it PG-13. Somewhere in the middle of that rant, I was trying to teach a sermon. <laughs> yes, the enemy will attack your thoughts. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says these, these words. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That word stronghold is the Greek word okiroma and actually means a castle. Or a fortress. Uh, Francis Frangipane, in his book, The Three Battlegrounds, uh, calls these uh, fortresses, this word okuroma, houses built with thoughts, houses built with thought patterns, houses built with thought processes. And what a stronghold is, it is a perception. It is a way of looking at the world. It is uh, either you were hurt or you went through a bad experience or, or you have an area of unbelief in your life. And now you've taken that way of thinking and you're looking at the world through that stronghold. And this is why the Bible says that we are to bring captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because if there is one area the enemy wants to attack you is in your mind, is in your thinking. And this is why the Bible says that we are to gird up the lowings of our mind. This is why the Word of God says that we have the mind of Christ. This is why the Word of God says that He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. If the enemy can cause you to lose hope, if he can cause you to fret. If he can cause you to doubt, if he can cause you to be in despair, he will eventually get you because after all, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now that we have looked at some of the ways that the enemy can attack us, let's examine how David responded. And in doing so, we will discover that David sought three things that helped him overcome the attack of the enemy. Let's look at the last part of verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Abimelech's son, please bring the ephod to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David, as I mentioned before, was being persecuted by Saul. David had just been attacked by the Amalekites. Now his own men were speaking of stoning him. But instead of becoming distracted, instead of going to see a psychiatrist, instead of Lacking himself in a room and crying, the Bible says that David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. I like the old King James Version. The old King James Version said he encouraged himself. And this is the first thing that David did. David sought the person of God. We also know this because David asked for the ephod. This was a special garment that looked somewhat like a vest or an apron. And this was worn primarily by the priest when they went in to serve in the temple. Later, it became more familiar where other people would wear it. You see David wearing it here and Samuel wore one as well. And so, And this garment is a symbol of our commitment to seek the Lord. When we are being assaulted by the enemy, we must remember that the risen Christ is above all principality and above all power and above all might and all dominion, every name that is mentioned in this life and in the life of come to come. We have to remember that he is king and supreme over every assault of the enemy. We must exalt Christ in our lives. Which, as a sidebar, if you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are open prey to the enemy. You must first believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And you must recognize yourself as a sinner, I'm going to take a moment to say this because I feel impressed to say it. One of my responsibilities at Calvary Chapel Newport News is baptism. And we have a baptism application. And there are two questions on that baptism application. The first question is, tell me a little bit about how and when you got saved. The second question is, if God were to ask you why I should be allowed into heaven, what would you say? The number one question, the answer that I get to the first question, tell me a little bit about how and when you would get saved, is this. I've been in church all my life. Being in church does not guarantee that you are going to go to heaven. It doesn't matter if your great-granddaddy was a preacher your granddaddy was a preacher. Your daddy was a preacher. Doesn't matter if your mom broke water on the pew of a church. That does not guarantee that you are going to heaven. The Bible says that you must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that you have that He has risen from the dead. You must repent of your sin. You have to be Born again, and the day that you are born again is a significant day in your life. If you can't point to a calendar and say, this is the day that I accepted Jesus, might I suggest to you that you might not be saved. Well, <laughs> preach, Pastor Tito. You, Jesus said these words, you must be born again. Again, so back, Christ must be exalted in our lives. Back to the message. I just wanted to say that too many times when we go through things, we forget to seek the Lord. Sometimes when we are attacked by the enemy, we are shocked, we are kind of in a daze, and it's almost like you're under a spell. This is why the Apostle Paul says, Who has bewitched you that you would not obey? The truth. There have been those times in my life when I've been assaulted by the enemy with so much stuff that I'm walking around stunned and I start to get discouraged and I'm walking around disappointed, feeling disenfranchised, feeling depressed and any other D you can add in there and I'm almost like stooping down, bowing down but At some point in there, I have a prodigal son moment and I come to myself and I say, wait a minute, I don't have to put up with this mess. The Bible says that he gave me the power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy. So I reject this depression. I reject this discouragement. I reject these feelings of being disenfranchised. I reject all these thoughts of the enemy. And in Jesus' name, I am more than a conqueror because I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor principalities nor powers nor any other thing created will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So take those thoughts back with you, devil, back to hell where they came from. I know that's really old school. I'm sorry about that. But sometimes you just have to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And sometimes, like David, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to get in front of the mirror and say, Tito, you're going to make it. You're going to be all right. God loves you. You are more than a conqueror. If God be for you, who can be against you? David sought the Lord and sometimes we forget to seek the Lord when we are going through our spiritual battles other times we are too busy searching for solutions that we forget to seek the Lord the Bible says though we walk in the flesh we don't war according to the flesh Zechariah 4 6 says it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When we seek the person of God, the wonderful thing about it, that it brings about the presence of God into our lives. And the Bible says, at the presence of the Lord, the mountains tremble. In his presence, this is a wonderful verse. You want to write it down. It's Psalm chapter 31. Psalm chapter 31, verse 20 It says that he will hide you in his presence from the plots of men and the strife of tongues. The safest place that you can be is in the presence of the Lord. So he says when you are in the presence of the Lord, the strife of tongues don't get to you. The plots of men cannot affect you. Because you are in the secret place of the Most High and you are abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And you will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Only with your eyes you will behold the reward of the wicked. In his presence, when you seek the person of God. Your reward is the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, what people are talking about and what they said about you and how you're going to pay that bill and whether your spouse served you with a divorce letter and whether your kids are acting up and, you know, whether the doctor gave you, that stuff really doesn't matter in the presence of the Lord. When you get in the presence of the Lord, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand... Pleasures forevermore. Jeremiah 17 says that you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Listen, I am concerned for this generation because we have settled for Christianity without a pursuit of God. We have settled for a Christianity that says it's only as long as you come to church and as long as you tithe, you're okay. Those things are wonderful and you must do them. But I'm here to tell you, you must seek the Lord. You must press into the presence of the Lord. You you still listen, you still have to lock yourself in your room and spend time worshiping God and spend time in his word and on your knees crying out to God. When we do this, it we are seeking the person of God, and it brings about the presence of God. I am concerned that this generation has more churchianity than they actually have Christianity. I'm going to move on. David first sought the Lord. (laughs) Thank you for that one amen. I appreciate it. (laughs) Let's read the first part of verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? This brings us to the second thing David did. David sought the prophetic voice of God. Hearing the voice of God will give you a tactical advantage. David not only sought the person of God, but he sought the prophetic voice of God. See, there are people that only want the prophetic voice of God, but they don't want to see God. Uh, they, they They want you to give them a word and tell you, tell me what God wants me to do. And what I say to you is God wants you to seek him for yourself. There are other people who just want to seek the Lord, but they don't want to spend the time with the Lord to actually learn how to hear from God. We cannot... Know the voice of God without first knowing the word of God. We must first know the word of God. The first step to actually hearing the voice of God is being acquainted with what he has said. If you don't know what God has said, you, don't, you will not know what God is saying. If you don't know what he has said in the past, how will you know what he is saying to you in the present. If you want to boil boil down the prophetic to its least common denominator, it's having the ability to hear from God. God wants all of us to be able to hear from him. In the book of in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible says you may all prophesy one by one. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 actually says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. It's interesting that in the book of Revelation, God spoke to the seven churches in the Asia Minor. And he said he gave a different message to every church. There was one thing that he repeated to all seven churches. It was this phrase, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There are many answers that can be found in the bible there are many answers in life we can find in the bible but there are some answers that we cannot find in the bible what if you have two men that are christians and that are well one of them is a doctor and one of them is a lawyer and they both want to take you out on a date who do you go on a date with some of you say i'll go out with both (laughs) who do you marry What chapter, what verse are you going to go to to tell you which one to choose? The Bible gives you the guideline. They both need to be Christian. They both need to bear fruit. They both need to be committed. But which one do you choose? Two jobs. They both pay the same amount of money. They both have the same benefits. They're both in the same city. They're both doing what you want. Which job do you choose? Do you go with the one you like or do you you go with the one that God wants you to have? Which chapter and verse do you go to for that? You must be able to hear the voice of God. You must have a relationship with God. The word of God gives you the basis for that. Now, I'm, there are people who go overboard. I am not t- suggesting that you go to and stand in your house and say, Lord, do you want me to paint my wall red or white? No, you're just being weird. Whichever color you like, paint the wall. I'm talking about those important decisions in life. Like if you're going to marry somebody. You must learn how to be led by the Lord and how to hear the voice. This is what David said. David, David wanted to know, shall I pursue them? Will I overtake them? I don't want to spend time and energy. These guys are already trying to kill me. And if I send them down there on a trip trying to go there I and mean, we don't, I'm surely dead. So David saw the person of the Lord and he saw the prophetic voice of the Lord. Let's take a look at what it says there at the end of verse 8. And he answered, Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Verse 9, so David went. This brings us to the third thing that David sought. David sought to practice God's instructions. David asked the Lord, Lord, should I do this? God said, go. You're going to recover your family. You're going to catch up with them. Now, all this would have done David no good. Everybody said, thanks, God. It was nice talking to you. So when God speaks to us, now seeking the person of God, hearing the prophetic voice of God, has to turn into us practicing the word of God. So David went. I want you to remember something. David's men were grieving because their wives and their children were gone. David was distressed because they were speaking of stoning him. And now he must face the difficult task of going up to these same guys and say, guess what? God spoke to me. We need to go and get our wives and our children, and God's going to lead me. There are times we don't want to do what God says to do because it is a difficult thing to do. There are things that we don't want to do. We go through the whole exercise of seeking God hearing from God and then when God speaks to us we said God you must have made a mistake <laughs> the devil is a liar i rebuke that thought in jesus name you you cannot possibly be asking me to do that you cannot possibly be asking me to marry him you cannot possibly be asking me to take on this task at the church or to give this amount at the church I know many times I have failed miserably because I knew what God wanted me to do and since I know scripture I can convince myself that God is mistaken (laughs) I can convince myself that I missed God or even worse I can shut that thought down. I said, I just had too much pizza last night. And not be obedient to what God said. And in the process, discover that there is a way that seems right unto man. But the ways thereof are the ways of death. You see, there are too many times we don't carry out the instructions of the Lord because we find it inconvenient. We don't like the answer that he gave us. God speaks but it's not what we want it. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is there an area that God has spe- are speaking to you about that you don't want to do? Is there is something that God is wanting you to give up that you don't want to give up? Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says, Narrow is the gate and difficult the way which leads to life. There are few who find it. Sometimes obeying the word of God and doing what he wants us to do is difficult. And it will put us in a tight spot. Is there something that God is speaking to you about today? Is there something that God has told you, I need you to give this up? I need you to get out of that relationship. I need you to start doing this. And you keep pushing the thought back to the back of your mind. You keep dismissing the thought. I'm here to tell you, today, if you would hear his voice, harden not your heart. The scripture says this in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. David went. Will you go and will you do what God is asking you to do. Let me close our time together with this. Today we saw that we need to be prepared at all times to resist the attack of the enemy. We also looked at the various ways the enemy can attack attack us and how those attacks affect us in various ways. Then we looked at the three things that David did in order to overcome the attacks of the enemy and those three things are we must seek the person of God. We must seek the prophetic voice of God and finally We must practice God's instruction. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up or the uh, musicians to come up. And I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to worship a little bit. And I want you to reflect upon this today. As the elders and deacons, if you would come up to the altar, please, and make yourselves available to pray. I want you to consider some if there's an area of your life that God is asking you to give up or something that He is asking you to do that you haven't done. maybe you're under attack or you've been under attack and you have not been seeking the Lord. Maybe you've been walking around in the days or discouraged or disappointed, whatever the need is, we're going to be here to pray with you as we, as we worship today and then We're going to come back and dismiss, okay?